Hey everybody, my name is Kat, or Bedroom Poet, and I am the author and illustrator of this book, Journey of a Bedroom Poet. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to what is going to be the first of hopefully many interviews where we are covering what's going on in the creative world here in Bangkok, and today our first guest, we are very blessed to have with us the one and only Catherine Napalai Falder, AKA the Bedroom Poet. How are you today, Kat? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very fine, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks and for having me. Yeah, we're, we're really excited because we're here to talk about a special project of yours, which you happen to be holding in your hand. Um, so uh, why don't we just dive right in and talk about who is Bedroom Poet? So Bedroom Poet is a part of me. She is someone who is incredibly passionate about poetry, but for a very long time she hid that from the world because she was uh, very fearful and scared of doing what she loved most. And she kept her passion confined to her comfort zone, which was the bedroom. I say that Bedroom Poet is a part of me because my whole journey is about making it that I am no longer ever in a situation where I only do what I love in the comfort zone. I want to be the universe poet. I want to do poetry everywhere because that's what I love. Yeah, so Bedroom Poet is a part of me. So, The Journey of a Bedroom Poet, it's a book you work really, really hard on. And uh, who, who would you say this book is for? Like, you clearly, it's an expression of, of who you are, a part of you, but uh, why should anyone need to read this book, The Journey of a Bedroom Poet? I think I'm one of those people that believe that we're all brought here to this earth to do something and to share a gift and to do something like no other. Um, no other person can. We're all very unique and individual, so we all got something that we bring. And I think that uh, that gift that we bring is also something doing it makes us happy. So. For a very long time, personally, I wasn't doing what I loved. I wasn't doing what I was brought here to do. So I felt very unfulfilled and not happy. But the more I did what I loved, the more I made it a part of my daily life and routine, the happier I became. So this book is really for people who are doubting themselves um, who are kind of searching for their purpose, who uh, might not believe that in their purpose, but are kind of looking for, for direction. This is basically a book to give you confidence in doing what you love, because I genuinely believe that if you do what you love, you are making the world a better place. And hopefully this, this book will encourage you to do that. So this is saying anyone who is apprehensive about doing what they love, uh, is scared of dipping their toes into those waters of the unknown, um, you're saying that this book, The Journey of a Bedroom Poet, 
can serve as a guide to help navigate those waters of self-doubt, uh, self-depreciation. Yeah, low self-love. I can't tell you how to do it, but my very real and authentic expression of how I did it is kind of like a guide like for you and may reawaken or awaken that power that I know lies within each and every one of us. So I can't tell you how to become an astronaut. I can't tell you how to get to the moon or anything like that. You know, that's that's on you. Whatever your dream is, that's on you. But me doing what I love so much and kind of shadowing, like looking at my journey will awaken that energy within you. And I think there's some, uh some truth to that i mean you know throughout history and humanity we tell stories and the reason we tell stories is to gain some type of wisdom or knowledge vicariously through the subject of the stories and uh you know uh, any book you've ever loved you identify with the hero and through that identification we pick up cues even though they're very subtle in the writing uh that we tend to adopt especially if, if the subject is someone we admire I mean, like, immediately to come to mind for me is Harry Potter. It's crazy, but it's a book about humility. You know, it's a book about courage and humility and uh, being yourself and living your truth despite all the bullshit. And obstacles. Yeah, like, uh, you know, almost every year in the book of Harry Potter, he, everyone has a reason to make fun of him. They call him Potter the Rotter. Uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and he's this larger-than-life character to most of the people in the book, but the book really is about how he's, he remains humble through it all. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're right in that your book might help someone who, who might identify with a lot of what the book is talking about um, to deal with a lot of the things life throws at you. And um, to step out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Everyone's got a comfort zone. Mine just happened to be my bedroom. Um, I literally live in my bedroom. Um, it's a safe place. It's a place where there's no judgment. I believe I can really be fully myself. And I think with comfort zones, that's what it is. You feel safe. But why not step out of the comfort zone? Why not try and just extend it so that you're absolutely yourself all the time, everywhere, living with your passion, doing what you love. And that's what the journey is about. Sorry, I had to add that in. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, and that, that kind of reminds me of like a cocoon, right? Your bedroom is like, yeah. like a cocoon where you're, where you're inside of it to protect yourself while you're working on development. It's a harsh world out there, and I think we can make ourselves believe that it's too harsh to live in. Um, and I think a lot of the challenge is really telling yourself no. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of stuff that life throws at you that, you know, can really, you know, put a downer on you. But the challenge is to really just get out and do it. That was, yeah, that was my biggest uh, step because I was very fearful and I was very shy. I was a huge introvert. So I want to dig into the book. There's a lot going on in The Journey of a Bedroom Poet. And I think one of the things that really stands out throughout the whole book from the beginning to the end is appearance, right? Uh, like you said, it's, uh, you know, this is something uh, 
that comes up in poems like uh, the Identity No Idea poem or in Mrs. B or even in the end, towards the end of the book, you're talking about writing in red and writing in rainbow and how uh, you're told you shouldn't write in red because it looks a certain way. And why does that matter if it's what's being said that matters, not how it's dressed? Um, oh, so, you're giving me shivers now. So, <laughs> I think that's probably the wind that's going on right now. No, that's what you said. <laughs> but, uh, so can you talk a little bit about your experience in dealing with that, dealing with appearance of someone uh, of mixed heritage who doesn't look like what they're supposed to be according to what society says? And can you talk a little bit about how you weave that into the book as a theme? I think we live in a world where, I know we live in a world where what you see is usually um, what you get. Like people, people will judge you from the outset of the way you look. Um, and people judge things, people judge books by the cover. I um, look uh, a certain way, but I was actually born in Thailand and my mother is half Thai and Thai was actually my first language and my whole life I have, you know, I've always spoke Thai fluently but I've always had looks of shock uh, when I speak it so it, it's always kind of been like, well, I don't look the way I'm meant to speak, I don't look the way I'm speaking so should I be speaking it? It made me feel very at odds. You know, this whole journey has been about kind of learning how, you know, appearance isn't everything. Uh, you know, people aren't how they look. People are who they are. How do we make the world more able to actually see beyond the surface? Yeah, we really live in a world that is obsessed with appearance. And sometimes we can let people's ideas about appearance and how things should look get the best of us. Um, and I think this, you know, this reality we're living, this journey, it's really all about, a lot of it is about, you know, kind of defining how it really is to us. You know, people might see things a certain way, but you really need to figure out what it is you are and what it is what you stand for, who you are, and, and how everything else is, and really, you know, try and see beyond the surface. Now, along with appearance, right, appearance is something that uh, usually it's, it's immediate, something we're reminded of all, all the time, right? Like you said, anytime you just speak the first language you ever spoke in your life, someone has to interrogate you because you're not, you don't look or appear like the typical speaker. Um, you know, and all over the world, there's people that are persecuted because of the way they appear, maybe their skin color exactly. or their hair or whatever. So after a lifetime of that, of that, those sort of experiences, there comes a sort of fear that begins to develop um, that's natural um, of just living your life, right? Um, and there's two poems that I think are, are pre that hit this nail nail right on the head in your book. One of them is called Mr. Confidy, which is about confidence um, and your relationship to confidence, as well as life fright, where you're talking about just being frozen in place 
and being afraid to live your life. So can you uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how, how these types of experiences, how your struggles with confidence and, and just struggles with being afraid of walking out of the bedroom, for example, can you talk about that and how, how again, it, it might relate to appearance or judging books by their covers? And, and what might someone who's going through that situation right now, what should they know about how to overcome these troubles? Fear can be a really real thing if you let it be real, if you let it get get to you. One of the reasons why, you know, there, there are many, there are many reasons um, but one of the reasons why I found it really hard being myself outside of my bedroom is because I was constantly being questioned every day. Every time I spoke, every time I spoke Thai, I was asked, why do you speak Thai like you're Thai? Why? You shouldn't even be speaking Thai. And every time I spoke English, even when I was living in England for eight years, I would get, where are you from? That's a strange accent. So there was a constant under, undertone of, of attack and critique and you know a lot of that is to do with me and my my interpretation of things which for a very long time I admit was very negatively skewed you know I really had to work on that I really had to work on changing my belief that people were trying to attack me it felt like there was something coming to my throat every time I spoke you know if you're a poet like that's a big thing because yeah, yeah. your your mouth your, your throat is your mouthpiece, it is your instrument, it is your tool. And if you feel like you are being attacked, you know, it's no wonder I was bedroom poet, being too scared to, to step out. But yeah, we have reasons why we do things, but does that mean we still have to do them? You know, you can, you can live your life um, being scared of things, you can live your life you know, relaying this story in your head that you shouldn't be going out because you're going to be attacked. Or you can actually take, take it with a pinch of salt, work on it, work on how you perceive things, work on how you, you tell the story, work on your reaction. You know, not everything warrants a reaction. And if you have something that you cannot stop thinking about every single day and every single night, and you feel like you're being, um, you're not living up to your potential because you're not doing it because of some fear that you have or because, you know, you don't want to step out and step up, then, you know, work on it. So how, how would you recommend someone who's like vibing with you right now, listening to this and be like, damn, that's me. I need to get out and get rid of this fear. What would you say is the first step they should take to start to be able to confront their fears? Personify fear. Look at, turn fear into a person and then question them. If that little voice in your head, the fearful voice is being like, no, you can't do this. Why are you even doing this? Who are you? You're shit. Confront them, talk to them, throw it back at them being like, am I? How do you know that? Who are you? Who are you in relation to me? Am I gonna let you get the best of me? No. I think, the, I think a very useful thing is to personify fear. But also a second thing is to really let go of that. Start loving yourself. If there's something that you're really passionate about to the extent that you're scared to do it, there's a good chance that you're meant to be doing it and it's a part of your journey. So accept that and, and work on it. 
you know, try and drown out the other voices. You know, try and drown out that voice in your head that's telling you not to. Um, I think the more you do something, the more of a habit it becomes. And then one day, something that scared you so much then becomes an automatic habit and you, you can do it. So, so going back to personification, um, and this is, this is something really interesting because your book is wet with personification, <laughs> straight up. Like, um, and I, like as, as you read through the book, uh, you created these characters. Confidence is a character. Fear is a character. Mrs. B is a character. So can you tell us how creating a persona for a lot of these states of being helped you to really confront them head on and have a direct, honest conversation with these characters you created? Before I personified fear as a person, before I personified confidence as a person. So in my book, it's, uh, it's, I write a, a kind of letter to confidence, Mr. Confid. Before I personified these people, I didn't know what I was dealing with. I just, it was just this whole mass of negative stuff that I just didn't know what, what, what it was and why it was affecting me so much. So I think, you know, the way my mind works, and actually the way most people work, is that we need to compartmentalize things. We need to question them. We need to kind of almost, uh, a lot of us, put a character to it, put a face to it. I think by putting a face to it, you actually see it more for what it is. So this is kind of like, I'm going back to Harry Potter now, where, you know, you have Lord Voldemort, and Harry's the only one who says his name, and everyone else is absolutely scared. Of, of every of the mention of this name, and uh, the scene in where Professor Lupin has the wardrobe and and the bogger, right? Um, he stops Harry when he it's his turn to fight because he's afraid Harry is going to bring the Lord Voldemort into the classroom. And when Harry confronts him, he's like, "Wait a minute, you thought I'm, you thought Voldemort was going to come out?" And he's like, wait a minute, you're saying his name? You know, they were both like, they both say his name. That means they're both unafraid of this thing that the rest of the world is absolutely... But notice how before Voldemort, they put a name to Voldemort. Mm. He was kind of this massive energy and looming and everyone didn't know like where he's going to come from. What are we doing? What are we doing? But when you put a name to it, when you put a face to it, when you put attributes to it, all of a sudden, these things that scared us so much become palpable, understandable. We can break them down. We can question them, and then we can be like, fuck you. I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. Bye-bye. So it's, it's uh, you know, they say, if you don't have a word for something, it doesn't exist, right? And like you said, you, you had these feelings that they were negative and present, but you had no way to identify them. Exactly. And once you were able to put a name to those feelings, you were able to... Put an appearance to it. And an appearance. Give an appearance. Okay, that's what's... See, I didn't even pick that up. No, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once you're able to point something out and, and, and give it a name, you're able to really manipulate your perception of it and take it head on. Yeah. So, and can you please... Uh, and it's not for anyone else. It's for you. Okay. This is your personal way of doing it. 
You don't need to listen to how anyone else does it. You do it the way that you do it. So it's about you and your relationship with this concept. It's about you and concept. your relationship with this concept. And there's many ways you can do it. But for me personally, and personification, yeah, it's it's a it's a big word that we use. We use it a lot in when we were studying poetry. I didn't really think of it like that when I was writing um, these these characters. That just came to me. Mm. You know, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm gonna personify. Yes. Like, you know, it's That's just right. it's That's a right. very natural thing That's to cool. just put a face to something Which and is... then take it head on and fight it. Right. That's that's quite quite sagacious. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we gotta move real quick because it's raining, so we gotta All right. take refuge. All right. Y'all sit tight. Storm's coming. <laughs> All right. So we're back. Uh, take refuge from the rain. We're with bedroom poet, aka Catherine Falder. So we were just talking about personification. Um, and how identifying uh, things like fear, like confidence, uh, can help to really confront them and deal with them and have your own dialogue. And Facebook too. Oh, and Facebook, yeah. My, there's a poem in my book, uh, My Husband is Facebook, and really mirrors my, my ongoing addiction. So, <laughs> so let's continue on that, and let's talk about another character in your book. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. B. Yeah. Right. Can you can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you came up with this idea of Mrs. B, what she represents, and, and a little bit about your struggle with Mrs. B and how others who might encounter her or who are currently struggling with her can help can can help themselves to deal with it. So Mrs. B is um, my externalization of bulimia, which is a habit that affected me for about 16 years of my life, 15 to 16 years of my life. And I really struggled with, with, with bulimia. Um, I can say a lot of people have had it worse. Um, it's, a, it's a real thing. Um, it, it can be very paralyzing because you can't leave your home um, because you're just, you're just afflicted with this. I believe that bulimia was me. I believe that who, that was who I was. And that I'm, I'm bulimia, so I'm gonna do it every day. And it was a kind of belief system that was inserted into me. I did it because I believed I was fat and that um, I wasn't good enough. And it, uh, funnily enough, it was a real affliction that messed with my throat. So this is another way of me kind of self, like harming my throat, my instrument for my poetry. And so I believe, I believe that she was this person, this bulimia was me. And then I, by kind of putting a face to bulimia and actually externalizing bulimia and saying to myself that no, this isn't me, this is someone else doing this to me, it kind of, it made it easier for me to just say, well, I'm gonna stop them doing that to me. I'm gonna stop people telling me that I'm not good enough and that I'm fat. I'm gonna stop people making me think that I have to engage in something so awful to be happy because truthfully, that's, that's not the case. I think 
putting a face. Mrs. B is basically this this lady who would come into my um, come into my 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 home, my room, and tell me that I wasn't good enough and that I was fat and that I needed to to do things to to get rid of that and to make her like me again. So I put a face to her, and I think this was really one of the one of the key things that helped me end my struggle with bulimia. And I can say that I have been bulimia free for over a year now. And I am really happy with that because it was one of the toughest things that I, I went through in my life. It, it's like a full on addiction. And I really, I very much sympathize with people who go through it, people who are made to believe that they're not good enough, so they do these things to themselves. Um, I think it's, you know, I have huge sympathy, and I just want to say that, you know, you can get through it, um, you can fight it, you can tell Mrs. B to leave and stop controlling your life, because you're better than that. And this is just one of the ways in, in, uh, I touch on bulimia very briefly in my book because it's still something that I'm still trying to talk about openly. Like, it, you know, I've only been able to, to talk about it very openly very recently. And that goes with, again, that fear we were talking about earlier, right? Where it's not only is, is the condition itself set on by fear yes. and, and, and by, uh, you know, societal pressures, but even healing requires a, a certain amount of identifying with the problem and saying, yeah, this is me, um, and opening up about it. And that in itself brings a whole other set of fears. But this is, this is another thing that really helped me. It's not about me. You know, this isn't about me anymore. And I shouldn't be fearful of talking about something that I know affects millions of people daily even men i know i know about five men who have bulimia right now and you know it's something that's spawned at oh how could men have yeah people live with this addiction and it's very real and it's also based on appearance yeah like because you said. we need to we need we're made to feel like we need to look a certain way so we do these things to ourselves you know, this is a this is a huge a huge thing, and it's not about me. Um, I I want to talk to you about it. I want to. I've actually outlined a code in the book. I've cracked the code in many ways. I struggled with years going to doctors, telling me how they think I should treat my bulimia, and them being absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong. Their answer to my treatment of it was medication, which actually didn't help. It actually made it worse because then I lost my memory. Mm. I lost my memory for a long time because I was being put on these drugs that are just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the problem. Um, you know, it kind of numbs it, but you really need to address, you need to face it head on, see it for what it is. So, by, by putting a face and a character to bulimia, I was able to confront bulimia straight on. 
and it made it that much easier to say, hey, this isn't me doing this to me. I love myself. This is someone else. And I'm going to tell them that they can not, no longer continue doing this to me. I have to regain control of my life and love myself and tell myself that I am good enough and I don't need the world to tell me otherwise. Another character sort of in this book that you created is writing. There's a poem uh, uh, to uh, just, you, you touch on just what writing is to you and your relationship with writing. Um, so I, I was wondering if you can uh, describe what your relationship is to writing and for any writers out there who wish to develop their skill and, and really make a career out of this like you're doing right now, how could you recommend others develop their relationship with writing? Um, I think one of the greatest decisions I ever made uh, was not going to uni to study English because I feel like the very act of doing that, like I read a lot anyway, so I don't need anyone to tell me, you know, what what's good and what's not, you know. I make, I, I make that, I think that's a very personal decision. You make that decision for yourself. I choose who I read. But one of the greatest decisions I ever made was not going to study English because I think you then um, put that kind of fear around you and the kind of idea that you should be writing like this or you should be writing like that or you should be doing this or you should be following that kind of you know, that kind of mold. Um, writing is, as anything is, 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 is an art. And it's something very personal. And if you are a writer, um, you can write in a way that no one else can. So immediately, that is special. And the real challenge is how to find your voice and your method of writing despite the outside noise and despite people telling you that you should be writing this or writing that. Like, I come from a long, um, long line of writers who all tell me that, uh, you know, my poetry is, you know, poetry? Like, come on, like, and, um, you know, telling me, oh, you shouldn't be writing. Um, but, you know, don't, don't listen to other people and don't listen, don't let other people dictate what you do. Find your voice. Um, if you really love writing so much, there's a reason you love it. So, you know, you're not wrong. Um, you're right. And carry on with it. Get, do it the way, but do it in the way that you like it. Because if you just do what everyone else does, then, you know, what are you really adding? If you do you, if you be authentic, if you master your craft the way that you do it, then you're really on a, a winning a winning role. Wow, it's really raining now. Um, yeah, so that's what I have to say about writing. I love writing. I love writing it the way I I love to do it though. And I highly encourage if you wanna if you wanna really flourish your relationship with writing, do it the way you wanna do it, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. All right. Well, thank you, Pat, uh, aka Bedroom Poet, for spending time with us, dealing with the wind and the rain and and answering these questions for us. And for those of you who are free on Friday, May 25th, 
you need to be at the home BKK to experience Kat's book launch. The Journey of a Bedroom Poet is officially being launched on Friday, May the 25th. You do not want to miss it. She will be singing. She will be doing some poetry. It will be a celebration of this project that uh, has come straight from her heart and her soul. Um, the Journey of a Bedroom Poet by the book. Yo, the book is super lit. Um, thank you again, Kat, for spending time with us and taking questions and uh, dealing with the rain. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'll be right on Kogas with us. Yeah. Yeah.